Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us today. Each week, we explore a variety of topics around wealth tech strategies and execution, wealth management. Today, we're going to be talking with someone who is uh, the chief growth officer at uh, one of the leading RAA firms in our business, Scott Holsoppel. He is the uh, chief growth officer at, at Hightower Advisors. So, uh, Scott, welcome. Good to have you on board. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Normally, I start off by talking about background, but I think it might be useful because I Many of our listeners are like me. They read the industry press and Hightower is, seems to be prominent there in terms of the, the work you're doing. Why don't you describe what you do at, at uh, Hightower, what the, some of the strategies are in terms of your growth. It seems like you're enjoying great growth. And then I'd like to hear a little bit more about your background, but maybe start with uh, start with what you're doing at Hightower and where, where you hope to uh, lead the firm. As you said, we're an RIA that uh, is looking to grow both organically, as, as most RIAs look to do, but also inorganically. And so the growth team is focused on creating an experience for current partners as well as future partners. So we're responsible for not only the M&A efforts uh, of the firm, but the integration, so how we come together and the experience afterwards. So the marketing team, as, as well as what we consider the advisor engagement team, the consultants, the strategists that are working with our firms to really help them stand out and achieve the vision for the next chapter of their business. I think we're, we're unique in that we, we do buy or invest into high quality wealth management firms, but we're not trying to make them one version. So, you know, the conformity idea where you're under one brand, you do one way, you serve clients a, a certain way. You know, we really want to keep the unique aspect of each of these businesses, but really add to them and make them more efficient, add more services that they can offer to their clients and really bring out the best in, in what they do. So to boil it down into a couple of words, essentially it's recruiting, investing in RAs that uh, want to be part of a larger organization. We'll talk about what that, what your platform and how that all works in terms of the kind of services you provide. But there's the recruiting front end of bringing them on board. I'd love to hear the story around. So what, what's that value prop? What does that look yep. like? And then what's here, which is I'm sure the second part of the value prop, and that is then what do you provide once they're on board? So to talk a little bit about that so our audience has a sense of of uh, what are, I guess, commonly referred to as RAA roll-ups. Yep. So I, I think most of the firms that we partner with now are hitting one of two inflection points. The first is you've got enough scale that you know, as an individual or principal, you're probably wearing multiple hats. And you have this choice of, well, do I want to go out and hire a COO or a CCO or a CFO? And do I really want to build the business and invest into the business to keep it all mine? Or do I want to take advantage of somebody like Hightower that can preserve the uniqueness of my business? I get to keep my brand. I continue to serve the clients I want, invest how I want. But I now have a team of experts that can really add scale particularly in the back and middle office. So you know, manage the technology environment, the compliance environment, do billing, you know, the financials for you. So you can really focus your efforts and the team's efforts on doing what adds the most value in, in your business, which is serving clients or getting new clients. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. like, it's the choice of like, do I want to do this all on my own or do I want to partner with somebody? And then the second inflection point is the firm that's actually already done that so they've gone out, they built out the CFO, they hired a CFO, a CCO, a COO, and they're looking back and saying, okay, how am I going to stay competitive in this industry? Mm-hmm. You know, we're having to do more things for, more, or for our clients on a daily basis. I continue to wear multiple hats. I'm now probably spending more time running the business than adding like, direct value to the clients and, and getting new clients. And is that what I want to do? And I think we fit really well 
with those principals or principals of firms that have got into the business to grow the business and serve clients, not run mm-hmm. a business. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, get, it provides them a way to, to step back, be rewarded in a transaction for the value they built, but also kind of get back to what they got into the business to do, which is serve clients. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so I yep. think it's one of those two inflection points that really resonates for individuals that are growth focused want to continue to grow organically, see the power of a, a partner or a scale partner, and understand the industry is requiring more, not less on a daily basis. So I buy the story. I like what I hear. I come on board. What do I get? Do you guys take over? Does Hightower take over the financial aspect, the compliance aspect, the marketing aspect, the technology aspect? Talk a little bit about how that sort of plays out in terms of once people have decided to kind of give up the stuff they don't like to focus on the stuff they do. It starts with we're a 180 V firm. So, you know, some aggregators or some investors in the space will keep everybody unique on their own ADV. We say, hey, in order to get the scale that we want to get, we're going to bring everybody on the 180 V, which means it's our compliance environment. We take over compliance completely. You know, the technology environment, I say it's a curated environment in that we manage it. We do all the integration work but you have choice. So on the reporting platforms, you know, we have the leading reporting platforms all integrated into our system and you have choice within financial planning. And so you still get to build the the components, but we're managing it for you on an ongoing basis and and bringing together the integrations, which I I think when, you know, one of your questions will be, what's the future? To me, it's starting to think about the experience that you're providing. And that only comes about if you actually bring the technology together in a thoughtful way. Sure. On yeah. the finance side, we, we do billing, we take over the PL, we provide you your own PL. So you're still managing it, but you're not having to prepare it. You're not having to build the clients. On the marketing side, I think is where you start to see the differentiation from ourselves and what we think about the full conformity buyers. In that, yes, we have a marketing team of, of about 20 people, but they're there to amplify your voice. So they're going to sit down with you and say, okay, who do you serve? what's different about you and help you magnify that aspect of your business because mm-hmm. we are brand agnostic. So you can become Hightower or you can keep your own brand. Mm-hmm. So Lexington Wealth Management, Greensboro Wealth Management, these are firms that have partnered with Hightower, but kept their own brand. Yep. Yep. And so I think you maintain that balance of adding scale and expertise that you get with scale, but also kind of the unique experience of the entrepreneur and the local brand. So the person, uh, friend in common, Megan McCartan, is one that brought us together. Yep. And uh, I'm a big fan of Megan. And uh, I know that she's very good at listening to her constituents, finding out what they're trying to achieve. Talk a little bit about the marketing aspect, because my impression, you've got a, a crack marketing team. They really know what they're doing. And then the part I didn't understand, I'm beginning to understand in this conversation, is that you're really creating an individual brand uh, or yeah. at least helping them to leverage, amplify, promote that brand. So talk a little bit about the marketing role. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Megan's fantastic about like finding those unique stories. And, and I think that's a great way to think about the marketing team, which is, you know, we build content that is scalable for our advisors to use, but then we spend the time to understand their story. So we know how to then customize that content that we do at scale for each individual business. Right, that's great. And I think marrying the the idea that there's content is key in this industry, 
but it's that last step to, to make it unique to the business that really brings it so that it doesn't feel like it's mass produced, something that anybody can send out. It really feels unique to the experience of the firm yeah. and the clients they're trying to, to serve. And I think that sets our team apart. That's been my observation as a, a fan and watching what y'all are doing, because you really need to leverage the scale of, of an organization like yours to, to make the content that is common probably to most investors, but then apply the voice, apply That's the, right. the specifics to that particular firm and how they do business and how they operate and really so they're comfortable in saying what they have to say. That's right. How does that work on the technology front? Again, this isn't a podcast about bits and bytes, but uh, it's a similar kind of service model, if you will, around. So talk a little bit about how technology works with you all. Yeah. So we have at the core of our technology uh, stack is is Salesforce. So Salesforce, Mm -hmm. think of that as the system of record. Yes, it's a CRM program, but it's also a system of record that powers the experience for the advisors. And I think more and more for the client itself. So uh, Salesforce is our system record. We build on top of that. And then you can pick you know, whether you want Black Diamond or Orion or Tamarack, you can pick that. Whether you want eMoney or Money Guide Pro, you get to pick that. And then our team has done the integration work to connect everything together so that you're not going into disparate systems, right? It's single sign-on, you go into one place and you can launch your reporting software, your financial planning software, and, and it all feeds back into Salesforce so that we can feed data you know, both ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the, the firms aren't going in there and saying, okay, I need to put records into Salesforce, and then I need to like do the financial plan and, and e-money and enter all the same information. And so I think there's some efficiencies that, that you gain from only having to add it into one place. But I also think that that starts to inform like the experience the advisor, their team are having. And then as we invest more and more into to the front end, what will power the client experience going forward? So there is a common experience that our advisors and their clients will be able to provide. It seems to be the best of both worlds where you're if I'm, a, I'm new to Hightower, I get to bring along the, the systems I'm familiar with, whether it's financial planning tools or aggregation tools or what have you, you'll accommodate or work with that so I can keep it personalized, but also enjoy the scale of a large organization to take stuff off my plate that I really don't want to spend time on. Yeah, that's right. And you have a team and of people, you know, our tech teams call it 50 people. You have a team of people that are always staying on top of the industry and saying, who are the leaders that we should be working with? Mm-hmm. And so it's not fully open architecture, right? We don't manage any piece of technology. But I think oftentimes when we're saying, hey, that that's not within our ecosystem, here's why. And here are some solutions that, that you might be able to take advantage of that we think are better, yeah. that will provide a better experience. And so it provides for a consultative situation or environment where we're coming together as partners, because that's what we are at the end of the day. You know, We only benefit if, if they benefit by growing their business. And so it is kind of this unique relationship, in, in my opinion. So we skipped over where I usually start, which is to get a little bit on your background. Let's, let's go back to that before we start looking ahead. How do you wind up doing what you're doing? Where'd you come from? What'd you do before you did this? And uh, talk a little bit about that transition, if you would. So I've, I've always had a, a kind of a fascination with the markets and, and investing and, and this idea of the benefits and the value of financial advice. You know, growing up and, and seeing my parents not get the best financial advice and then starting to explore the industry was something I'd done, you know, since college. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of did the traditional investment banking, private equity path out of, out of college 
and found my way to a firm that had a, a real domain expertise in financial services, which matched up with my own personal interest in it and had the opportunity to invest and work with a team or a firm called the Mutual Fund Store, which uh, before it joined Financial Engines was a, you know, called $10 billion plus mass affluent RIA. And the founder of that company had co-founded another business. It was an online financial advisor called Smart 401k. And he wanted somebody to come and build it. And this was mid 2000s, called 2006, 2007, when we started talking. And I was you know, young enough and naive enough that I was like, yeah, this makes you know, total sense. I can definitely go run a company. I joined a firm in my mid 20s as an online financial advisor. And I thought I was prepared to run a, run a business. Not only was I not prepared to run a business, but it was also 2007. So like right into the teeth of a downturn. And, and the business was pretty successful. You know, at, at its peak, it had about 10,000 clients. And I was, as the CEO of the business, communicating to these clients about what they should be doing with something that was, for the most part, their largest financial asset. Sure. You know, right into the financial crisis. So... You know, it was a fantastic learning experience, really kind of grounded me in the value that that advisors could provide. And from there, we ended up selling it to the mutual fund store when new investors came in, spent a couple of years there working and, and thinking about the value proposition that they were providing to their advisors or to their clients, and then joined Focus Financial Partners after that. Yeah. And then about a year and a half ago, jumped aboard about, uh, of Hightower, just because I saw this really unique opportunity in the industry as well as it's kind of how high tower fit. And based on all my experience, it, it sits in this it's unique position that we think is smart, but sure, you know, the, sure. the, the market gets to vote every day. So talk about that because there are a few, you've named a couple and there's a yep. couple more probably that you could name. What differentiates high tower? What is it that you guys do that's uh, better differentiated? Yeah, I think it starts with who we're looking to partner with, right? So, you know, within call, you can call it broadly the aggregation space. You can work with people that are like wanting to, to retire and go away. You can work with people that want to continue doing everything in their business. I think we sit in the middle, which is we're very growth minded. I think what you see is a lot of the headlines around the inorganic growth. So the partnerships we do through M&A, but I think we spend as much or more time thinking about how do we help our firms grow more organically? Because right, we, right. we think the core of a healthy business is organic growth. If you're not growing organically, you depend on the inorganic growth and it becomes you know, somewhat of an addiction. And so I think we're different because we don't leave you alone. We don't put you into a one-size-fits-all model. We try to say, where can we add value and scale to areas of the business that are critical to, to having a business, but don't necessarily hit the end client experience in a way that we're defining what the client receives. So as we've talked about, a lot of the back and middle office is, is in our court. And I think increasingly what you'll see is we're going to start investing or we have already started investing in the front of the house. So we recently were approved for National Trust Charter. You know, we're building out a lot of things in a family office environment. And so in a manner that provides all the tools and resources and service offerings that our advisors could need, but at their discretion. And I think that's the unique thing about us is we re-preserve what I think of as the functional independence of these firms that have bought into the idea of partnering with somebody, but still want to, to really define who they are. And mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, when we think about investing in the front of the house and, and offering things like a national trust charter or state planning services or, or things like that, 
it's all at the behest of the advisors. They're helping us, A, drive what we develop and how it's developed, but then they get the vote and they yep. get the vote yep. by saying, this is right for my clients or it's not. Yep. And so I refer to that as like a healthy tension, yes. which is, you know, we can launch whatever we want, but our advisors get the vote every day, whether it's good for them, for their clients or, or not. Talk a little bit about how you empower, enable, support advisors. I'm sure as they come on board, there's a, some process to get them up and running and settled in. That's one thing. But in an ongoing basis, different than sort of classic sales management, top down, you know, try to get people to do what they don't want to do. Yeah. I'm gathering this is quite the opposite. Rather, what do you want to do and how do we help you do that? Talk a little bit about that. How do you enable, empower, support advisors to be their best selves, shall we say? Yeah, no, I think a lot of it, we've talked about kind of the, the tech and the efficiency side of the operation side. We've talked about the marketing side. And then we have our advisor engagement team, which is you know the, the team of you know consultants or advisors that are going to sit down with our firms and say, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, where are you strong? Where do you have some weaknesses? Where do we think we can impact that business together as a partnership? Mm-hmm. We kind of walk them through what our, our evaluation is of their business, you know, how we can help. And then together we come up with a plan that stacks resources against it, counters it out across the year. And then we actually sign a, like a statement of work because we want, you know, we want to take it seriously, but we also want the firm to take it seriously sure, because sure. to your point, we can't dictate what somebody does. You know, they get to decide what they do on a day by day basis. But if we come together and we say, this is a smart plan for the business mm-hmm. and we're going to do things, we both have to commit to that. Right. Yep. And so yep. it helps us come back to things when they're going well or not. We can always refer back to the plan and say, okay, does this still make sense? Are we still trying to achieve these things together or not? And so essentially, these your engagement team is our coaches. They're, they're yeah. trying to find out what they're trying to achieve, how best to do that. And then yep. how often do they check? I'm just curious, uh, what's sort of the frequency of contact? I, I imagine it's sort of worked out as part of that SOW, but uh, talk about that if you would a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's part of the SOW. So you know, how frequently are we we meeting? How frequently are we talking? And you'll have some firms that they probably talk to team on a weekly basis, sometimes more frequently. And, and you have other teams that are like, hey, you know what? Check in with us every six months. Yep. And it's yep. really about figuring out what's going to work for them. Because if we come to somebody and say, you know, hey, you want to talk to us every week or every month, but we only want to talk to you every six months, like that doesn't work. And conversely, if they don't want to in, engage with us on a weekly basis, it doesn't work to tell them they should, right? Sure, sure. And so I think ultimately you you find this healthy balance, whereas over time, you know, they see the value that our teams can add to to their business. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it starts to build, right? Yep. But each each firm is a bit different. And so there's no, like, we have an approach to it, but that, that, that approach is informed by the individual firm. Yes. So talk a little bit about where all this is headed and maybe start, if you would, at the high level. So where do you see RAs fitting into the big picture? Curious mm-hmm. your thoughts on the future of wirehouses where trying to look more like RAs. I'm not sure how, how that's going exactly, but uh, there's certainly that attempt. Maybe big picture and then on down to where do you see Hightower going? So maybe you talk about what, what's in store. I'm a big believer in, in wealth management in general. I'm, I'm also a big believer. Uh, we're going to have to do more, right? Mm-hmm. If you look back at the industry, you know, 20 years ago, it was like, hey, we're differentiated because we're independent and, and we, we don't charge commissions, right? And then people added on financial planning and then wealth management. And now we're more and more frequently talking about family office and, and alternative investments and, and things like that. 
And I think that's just going to continue, right? People want more for what, what they're paying their advisors. And, and I think that's being enabled by technology more and more, right? So I think of this as, you know, oftentimes we don't see like absolute fee compression, but if you think about it relatively, am I doing more for my clients today than I was five years ago? The answer is almost invariably yes, right? And so we have to think about how we use technology and, and as an industry go beyond, hey, I bought technology, I'm going to do some stuff with it to how do I create an experience with technology? How do I create mm-hmm. that experience? Mm-hmm. Not only for mm-hmm. my clients, which I think a lot of people think, you know, hey, do I have a portal and, and an online or a way to engage with clients online, but also what experience am I providing to my team and how am I enabling them to, to do more? And I think that the firms that will stand out in this industry are the firms that can really think about it as experience first and have that duality between you know what the client sees and and what their their team sees and i think that requires scale because it's it's a very specific expertise to think about that as a client experience as a team experience that i think it's just going to be harder and harder for firms that are do not have that scale to, to stand out in the crowd mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know as recently as 5 or 6 years ago you know, billion dollar firm was a big firm. Sure. Now it's it's not as differentiated, right? We're talking about five, ten billion dollar firms. You know, Hightower is over a hundred billion dollars, and so you're you're seeing real scale come together with teams that are building a business and thinking about the experience they're providing to their advisors, to the team members, to the clients. And I think that's going to be the the magic in this industry. And I think that's what's going to cause true disruption is who can provide an experience to clients that is just intuitive and makes sense. And people can grasp the value beyond trying to talk about investments or the financial plan. It's like, how do you make people feel and how does that translate into value for them? Talk a little bit, if you would, about assuming in and and around everything you've described are best practices. And Mm -hmm. so do you try to catch people succeeding? Do you try to play that up as here's some folks that uh, are are doing things a particular way that's really working? How does that all work? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of best practices, but but we also try to keep it simple, right? I mean, this isn't outside of of managing tech environment and the regulatory environment, which can be quite complicated. You know, ultimately what we're doing is is meeting clients in a way that provides value to them. And so I think as much as possible, what we try to focus on is a few number of things that can add real value to a business. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to be all things to all people. And I think even when you look at best practices of firms, you know, what we're trying to do is, is, yes, identify those best practices, but then figure out ways to institutionalize them across Hightower. Right. And yep, so they yep. become just a way of doing business. Yes. And that's not like sexy to talk about. You know, it's process. It's yep. thoughtful process that is repeated on an ongoing basis. Yep. And so that's where our advisor engagement team spends a lot of time is institutionalizing this idea of growth in a business that doesn't rely on, you know, one or two or three people that just kind of innately do it. How do you bring a growth mindset to a firm? And in our opinion, 
that's identifying behaviors that occur frequently enough that they can become yeah. learned behaviors. Yes. You yeah. know, if you're going to do something once every six months, you're just not going to learn it. But if you do it every day, every week, if you manage against it and you bring visibility to it in an organization, I think you can really transform these businesses, not only from a growth perspective, but just a culture and a mindset perspective as well. Yeah. For everything I read and hear, you guys are getting that done and getting it done well. So, as we look to uh, wrap up, we try to stay around 30 minutes for our discussion on, on these uh, weekly podcasts. What are three key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with that uh, they might benefit in, in their own practice, in their own, in their own business? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, what are you trying to achieve? You know, I think one of the bigger values that we provide is we pull people out of the business of the day-to-day where, where many people, including ourselves, get wrapped up and say, what, what do you want to be in the next five or 10 years? What would be successful? So start with what you're trying to achieve, and that will allow you to step back and say, okay, what do I need to achieve that? It often comes down to how you're structuring your business, the people that you have in the business, how you're coaching and developing those people. And so once you've identified like what you're trying to achieve in the next five or 10 years, you step down and say, okay, what does the organization require to do that in terms of people, process, technology, value proposition? And then you step down further into to the tactics of building that business. And I think, you know, we're in an ever more competitive industry. Technology is enabling us to do more things. Firms with scale are really deploying assets and and specialties and expertise in a way that's never been done before in this industry. And I think, you know, it's going to require us to be more thoughtful. So at the end of the day, like the final thing is we're all providing experience, whether we like it or not, uh, whether we we identify it, acknowledge it, we provide an experience on an ongoing basis. And, And to step back and say, Am I okay with that experience? Am I proud of that experience? I think is going to become critical. So it might not be three things, but I think we have to step back and say, what do we want to be when we grow up? What are we trying to accomplish? And what's the experience we're delivering on a day-by-day basis? And do those fit? Do those go together? Or do we need to make some changes to allow us to achieve that? One last question, my favorite question that I uh, ask each week. What do you do outside of work that those that know you inside of work might find interesting, surprising, something you're particularly passionate about or get excited about or just have some fun doing? Yeah, so I, I love the outdoors, and uh, most recently, my my seven year old daughter and I have started rock climbing together. Oh wow! It's a lot of fun to to see her like scaling the wall, kind of fiercely scaling the wall. That's great. And I'm I'm looking forward to like all the lessons that it'll teach her, and and yeah. I I love to do it too. It's it's uh, one of those things that you know I think some people say golf can never be perfected, but you know rock climbing is very similar. It takes a ton of technique, a ton of thought, yep. and so it's a fun thing to to do on an individual basis, but a great way for me to to bond with my daughter as well. One of the things I enjoy most about this particular question, you you uh, family tends to be at the heart of the answer, and you've uh, certainly not disappointed in that regard. So uh, Scott, this has been great. Really enjoyed our conversation. Glad we could share it with our our ever-growing audience. For those who are listening to us, uh, if you find this kind of conversation and our weekly get-togethers with people across the industry, if uh, please like, share, pass it on to friends. Tune into past podcasts. There's some really interesting stuff that we've been talking about, including this conversation with Scott Holsoppel from uh, Hightower Advisors. So, Scott, thanks so much for uh, being with us today, and we, I look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great to. Uh... Uh, catch up and talk a little bit. That's terrific. Thanks. Have it on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. 
This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.